0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: As a mom, vegan of 20 years and entrepreneur, I need a lot of energy and I turn to Athletic Greens to help me out athletic greens is part of the daily nutrition regimen for thousands of top performers professional athletes and health conscious go-getters worldwide including usa cycling and endurance athletes so i knew i would trust them it's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins minerals and whole food sourced ingredients and it's a comprehensive all-in-one greens powder engineered to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet and support your body's nutritional needs across the four pillars of health gut health immune system, energy and recovery. And these are all things that I'm super interested in. I put a scoop in my smoothie in the morning and it feels amazing to know that I'm set up to feel my best and sustain my energy all day long. Try for yourself at athleticgreens.com/lityoga. That's athleticgreens.com/lityoga and get lit up. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I have Holly Scotus with me. Holly is a new friend, who is also a yogi and vegan. So we have a lot in common. And if you're not a yoga person or practitioner or vegan, I would love to invite you to still listen because we talk about our own journeys in defining yoga and how it helped us. Specifically, Holly talks about after having a baby, how yoga really helped her kind of be at home in her body again. And then went farther into discovering how eating a plant based diet helped some health issues she was having. She then went and studied with Dharma Mitra in New York, who requires all of his students to be vegan. And that's really where she found this deeper, more spiritual connection to this path. She is so lovely, so inviting, so non judgmental, and really just such an inspiration. And I hope that you find inspiration um, from hearing her journey and talking about how yoga and veganism together have made her create this yoga is vegan project so please listen up and enjoy my wonderful talk with holly Welcome, Holly. I'm so happy to have another yogi and vegan on today, and it's just lovely to see you.
0: Oh, thank you, Laura. It's a pleasure to be on. I'm, you know, same, thrilled. Thank you.
1: So let's launch right in with yoga first and how you came into yoga. How did you discover it? How did it feel for you? How long ago was that?
0: Well, it was, it was when I was pregnant with my first daughter who is now 18. So it was about 19 years ago. And my first introduction was with a, to date myself, but a rainbow, rainbow Mars. Um, it's probably like a VH, not a VHS. It was probably like a DVD or something, but it was an at-home pregnancy you know, video, which coincidentally she was vegan, which has nothing to do with this journey, but it's really interesting looking back at like Who you come into contact with. But it it started as a mommy and me. And, you know, doing the pregnancy yoga, then doing mommy and me, making some friends who introduced me to this place called City Yoga in Hollywood. And that was amazing. And I had this great teacher who was really playful. And I think for me, connecting with a teacher who liked to play is why I fell in love with the practice. And she had us you know, literally putting our toddlers and babies down and doing a handstand against the wall a first class. And I was like, okay, this is fun. And I was mesmerized by her because she had had a baby as well. And she was already practicing yoga. I think she was vegetarian. She wasn't vegan. Kate, Kate Thorup, she changed her last name. So I'm not quite sure what her last name is. What was so interesting was she just had this kind of She embodied the yoga practice. Her body looked much different than mine. I had gained a lot of weight during pregnancy. I didn't really work out to the degree that I do before I got pregnant. And so I was struggling to get back and I'm looking at her and she's moving around. We're having fun. And I just absolutely fell into love with the practice. I then went on to practice at a studio. Well, no, that's not, I'm going to back up a little bit. So I ended up reading about yoga, reading light on yoga, starting to practice, you know, the Iyengar poses and read about just, you know, I almost want to say the folklore because there is a lot of, you know, put your, put your foot behind your head. It's going to cure a common cold kind of thing going on. But I really enjoyed the magical elements of yoga. And so it was this element of like reconnecting to play, you know, seeing, People are getting healthy, looking better, and just this mysticism and the magic about it. And so I ended up taking some classes, I think it was Anyasara first, through a friend at a local studio, Black Dog Yoga in Sherman Oaks, where I ended up doing my first teacher training and then meeting a bunch of amazing teachers um, and getting kind of into more of the handstandy type practices. And during this time, my mother-in-law had died, and she died of pancreatic cancer. And she, so she smoked a lot. She didn't take care of her body, and I had, you know, had a history of of watching my father fall ill as well. And so, during that time, my own health kind of shifted a little bit, and I was starting to fall into those yellow markers, the caution markers when you do your blood blood work. And so, I I started on. Um, reading more about you know yoga and the health benefits and then starting to look at a little bit about the food as well. So this, this journey kind of coincided to me doing my first teacher training with Black Dog Yoga and reading, gosh, what is it? Autobiography of a Yogi by you know, Paramahansa Yogananda. So I read his book and I was starting to look at health and and a whole food plant-based diet. And it was when I did that first teacher training, that's kind of when everything started shifting and I started to understand the practice more holistically through through diet. But so yeah, it kind of went from fun to magic, to working out a lot and doing the hand sandy practices to kind of weaving in and, and that's where it launched. And then it's, you know, it's progressed since then, I've done two Dharma Mitra yoga trainings in New York City. So I did my 500 by 800 hours with him. And it's kind of shifted, and weaved, and changed. And, and that's been my journey.
1: I love that. And, you know, I'm thinking right now, compared to the yoga landscape a little bit, and I just want to kind of tiptoe into this subject, because I know that talking about how it makes you look is a little bit frowned upon now. And I, and I, right. and I love how you said, like, you love the way she looked. And I think we need to really kind of uh, dig into that a little bit because I think that is what, that is one of the many things that yoga is offering or inviting is not just kind of separating, do a workout, eat your food cause you want to look like good and fit in your jeans. You were, it sounds like you were looking at rainbow and, and, and not like, oh, she's thin after having a baby, but she is embodying light energy. Yes. And that and it that's was Kate. Right. Oh, Kate. It was Kate. Was it was Kate. the second one. Oh, yeah. Not
0: that, not, yeah. Because it, yeah. it was the second. Yeah. It was, it was different. It was just watching somebody who went through the same journey as me. Yeah. And she, she did, she had a different essence yeah. than I did. And I think that's that's really
1: honest and it's, and it's not superficial. Right. And I think that's nowadays, like there is a bad rap, like yoga is for skinny white women. I totally get that because the marketing has really capitalized on that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at some the way somebody looks And saying, I want more of that, not that I want to be skinny or or I want that, but I want that lightness. I want that brightness. I want that joy, that play, because like children who play and are joyful, they're not thinking about what their body looks like, but they're embodying the energy that is there through their movement. And it's only later on when we start to get into the comparison game and culture and all the conditioning that you look at your body as something that is less than or missing. So I think this is a really interesting piece that that is not talked about enough, that it is okay to desire to look like something if that something is more than just a superficial vision, but is more like this kind of energy, you know, lightness. And this is Going to lead us on into the top of topic of veganism because I think it's similar. They really there's a lot of cross section there.
0: Yeah, I, I and I agree with you. It's you know, it's funny. It's like I go back to 18 years ago and where I was and and being honest about it. But it's I am it, as far as being vegan. I am a whole food, plant based. I am I am vegan for all reasons i'm vegan for the animals i'm vegan for the environment and i'm vegan for my own health and how that affects the rest of my family it is it is all intertwined and so as as somebody who had struggled with their weight as a kid you know it constantly you know it i had gone through so many diets and when i was able to start being conscious of the food and how what what it offers what is what is the lightness in that food what is the value what you know is it fuel is it junk is it dead is it you know once you come into this honest relationship with food and then you can eat it be, because you're hungry there's no longer this well, shame, or, you know, what if my body does this or that, what what happens is, is my body got healthy and that doesn't mean that I look, you know, similar to somebody else or different. It's that it, it became a healthy working body for me. And it just, it just comes together. It does. And you know, I, I get that. I understand completely. But I think when, when we are honest about just the type of food that you consume, then you can have a healthy relationship with food and your body.
1: I totally agree. I remember one thing I'd always loved pre-vegan was M&M, peanut NMMs, right? I just loved them, you know, sure. and it'd always be like, oh, I don't have too many of those. Like, you know, it's like sugar and fat and dye and all that, but they were very addictive, obviously, like so many of our packaged foods. When I became vegan, I know no longer the dialogue in my head wasn't, oh, don't have that because it's not good for you or it's fattening or it's, you know, junk food. It was, I don't want to have that because that has dairy that represents pain and anguish of a mother who lost her baby. You know, it was just interesting the shift. So right. food was no longer about good or bad for me. It was more about, Like what you're talking about, more the vibration of it. Is it is it a whole, is it as you know, close to its natural form? Was there suffering involved? You know, we're always gonna nothing's gonna be perfect, but there's certainly choices that we can make that are obvious, you know, suffering versus non-suffering. And I think that's a thing that is not always also talked about in the vegan world, is it's it's not a diet, it is, it is a way we fuel ourselves that is consistent with our philosophy and our core values how do you explain that to people who don't understand and look at it like oh i could never be vegan i could never eat vegan or be vegan because they they talk about the food
0: part of it right right well it's scary some uh, it was scary to me when i first started i went vegetarian first i didn't understand it i think There is a lot of fear when you talk to other people that, well, if if I really think really hard about this food and I start to be honest with its history, then I'm I'm trapped. Like if I say I'm vegan, I'm vegan forever, and if I don't do it, then I can't go over to my aunt's house. You know, there's all this baggage. It becomes scary and i think if we can just start to look at our food and and journal it that's what i tell you know people i'm working with just i'm going to tell you know show you things that i eat but i want you to just write down write down what you eat maybe once or twice in a week and then start looking at those foods and start start just googling it like are they inflammatory how did they get there were they, were they once somebody, you know? And I think if you can start to really be, be honest with that relationship, but, and I know some vegans might get angry, but I love to give people space to, to get to where they need to be on their own time. Like I don't want to be the moral police and it doesn't, I don't think it does anyone any favors for me to say, okay, you're a bad person if you do this, or, or how could you, how how could you make this mistake? Because we're humans. We make errors all the time. And if we can start to look at what we're doing and this just isn't with food, this is with everything. How are we treating others? Just how are we treating others period? And, and what, what, what does how does that then reflect in our own beings once we make the choice to consume it
1: i love that i totally agree i think everybody's on their own journey i think it's kathy freston that talks about leaning in and this idea that you know people are going to be able to lean into this idea of adding more vegan options more vegan you know meal plans and it doesn't have to be this like all or nothing you know because everybody um needs to, you know, like recalibrate that takes time that some people can do it overnight and some people can't. That doesn't mean, like you said, you're not good or bad, or you deserve a medal. It's just, it's really, because if you do it in the way and your own timing, you're probably going to stick with it. And I think the reason you're vegan is really important because I find that the people who do it because Maybe because their health, or because they lost weight, or whatever, it's not as solid as a as a very as a value is. Not that taking yes. care of yourself isn't a value, but it needs to expand beyond that. And since you did first do it from your own health, can you kind of t- tell us a little bit about how that then ex- you know expanded beyond?
0: Sure, sure. I yeah, I went in a hundred percent for my health. I called myself ninety five percent plant-based and I did that for a good five years and I think there were a bunch of reasons for it I was scared I was scared if I said I'm going to do such a thing then I will do it that's just my personality I don't say I'm going to do something and not complete it so I had that fear I I find that even even if I watch a film like Cowspiracy like I have to refresh and watch an earthlings, watch a dominion, read, uh, you know, my favorite book is is Slaughterhouse. Have you read this one? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a hard book. It's favorite, favorite. It's like my favorite awful book to read, but it, it brings that, that vegan element into it. So for me at first it was all about health. So I didn't have that same, my, my conscious wasn't attached to it. It just wasn't. and. It was eating at me, and I would go through you know periods where it was like, okay, well, pizza once in a while is okay, and this was in the the plant based phase. And I started reading a little more, watching a little bit more, feeling feeling like it wasn't right. Like I just needed to take that jump, and it was when I did my five hundred hours with Dharma Mitra. I was really, really fortunate to. Move. I was living in L.A. Moved to Connecticut. Found some yogis at a studio I was teaching at. Who, one one of the teachers was a Dharma Mitra student, and so she brought us to New York. And we we went to his master class, which was just crazy, crazy class, which I loved. He always says a little tidbit about veganism, but I wanted to further my studies. I I felt like I was lacking in the spiritual elements, uh, especially, and so I was looking at his training. And that was the deal. If you were gonna come and do the 500 hour training, then you had to agree for the duration of the training to have a vegan diet. Like, and if you're not gonna do it, then don't. And I thought, this is my teacher. And so, of course he didn't say it was going to be the Sathbic diet, It it was this whole other thing that became like, oh my gosh, I'm really learning about food. But, so I went to tra- you know, the training on the first day, moved moved to the city for a couple of weeks, made all these friends, and we're all sitting around on the floor um, and he comes to to just give the first lecture, and his his dog is running around. And within, I don't know, twenty minutes of speaking, he asked us if our refrigerator was a morgue.
1: Hmm. That was it. Yeah. Like. Wow.
0: You don't need more than that. Yeah. And there isn't in his training, I, there isn't an over the head beating over your head that you must be vegan for the animal rights or it's very different. Like there, there are great, great vegan trainings like Jeeva Mukti who really get into the activism and that level. But it wasn't like that. It was about playing because Dharma Meach is very playful. He's very, but he's very serious. And for me, it's that balance of I'm going to handstand, I'm going to backbend, I'm going to do all these crazy things, but then I'm also going to stick to a strict diet and I'm going to do my karma yoga and having that community and having three, I think it was three months where we did the. I think it was like 10 day intensive. And then you go home for a little while and you come back. But while you were home, we had a specific sattvic diet, which was very bare bones, very pure food.
1: Can but you um, really, can you explain to people? Cause they're probably not going to know what a sattvic diet is. This is an Ayurveda principle, but yeah. Can you tell a little bit yeah, about, yeah.
0: And I th- I'll explain what was kind of in the diet, but it was, it was the sattvic diet. If you could think of this being like to look at it as being closer to light, right? Being closest to the that inner essence that resides in all of us, that ultimate heart, you know, purity. That that is a sattvic diet to me. And we, we didn't look at it in terms of Ayurveda. I think he was looking at sattvic more in terms of spiritual, mm-hmm. was my takeaway from the practice. But what that diet looked like was. You're eating there were certain vegetables, certain there were no I'll tell you what there wasn't. Okay. <laughs> it was all vegan. It was all whole foods. It started with a like a lemon lemon water and warm water in the morning. and there was a the Dharma smoothie, which is you know bananas and some sprouted almonds. so it starts introducing some sprouted nuts, some bananas, simple foods. so your lunch could be anything with grains and beans and veggies, everything steamed, nothing fried, no oils. It was it was very either raw or steamed. So you're getting the most out of your nutrition, out of your plants. You're having green juices. There weren't mushrooms. I don't know if I just said that or not, but, and you could have potatoes, you can have a little nutritional yeast, something like that. But spices were were not part of this because spices and garlic and onions were not and caffeine and alcohol <laughs> all different types of stimulants were were not part of this diet because when you're doing your meditation practice you want your mind to be clear and so anything that was going to add to distraction was eliminated so this focus of this practice you know, during those three months where the the diet, which of course consumed everything because you had to think about it three times, you know, three times a day. But it also included journaling. And the first thing we needed to journal on the I think it was the whole time was just Ahimsa. And so I would wake up and write or meditate on Ahimsa. So it was the first thing I hit just think about it. Think about what it does to not car- cause suffering to any sentient being. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? How does it look? How does it look to your friends? Does it go beyond people? Does it, is it to the animals? Is it to the earth? Where where does ahimsa begin and where does it end? And so it was that reflection on that spiritual tenet and the blending of the diet, the meditation, the asana, the yoga practice, and then karma yoga. So we had to do something for someone else all the time and that that was this practice that went on for 3 months so when you're that focused you really have the opportunity to absorb not only in your body but in your mind in your heart what it means to truly practice yoga and that's what shifted me to veganism
1: wow what a story i wish everybody could have that opportunity you know it's almost like a full reset and uncovering the, the layers that have been added, you know, whether it's uh, family culture and all the things. And you, it, it's, it's going to that, that sacred space. I believe all, all of us have, which is that we want, we want to be kind and we want people to be kind to us. And then really living that golden rule has to extend naturally outside of the circle of, of humans of our fellow species and we you know little kids get that you know we have to teach them that it's okay to eat an animal or it's okay to put an animal in a zoo but naturally if we were to interview them before we had conditioned them they would think it was horrific we have that in us and it's been programmed differently and I, I love how you—I don't know if anybody listening caught it—but you talked about how you were plant-based, and then you were vegan. And I really want to just have you mention what what is the d- distinction because vegan is not just a diet, and plant-based is. That's how I would talk about it and add more layers. But it was very—you yes. uh, naturally did, said that, and I—I I hope people heard that.
0: Sure. So, what does, I mean, what does even plant based mean? That's, that's even open ended when you start looking into it, but because it's, it's very open to interpretation. But the way I was first introduced to a whole food plant based diet was through the China study. Mm. So, and that was talking about food. What food are you eating? Well, it's plant based. And, and in that, it was whole food plant based. So that means you're, you're eating things that, are plants and not animals basically, but it's about what you're consuming. I'm plant-based. That's what I put into my mouth. It really didn't extend that far past a diet. And so I see it that way. And you'll see other people who are plant-based, but they still have some meat. So there's there's wiggle room. There's a lot of wiggle room in it. Veganism is is very different, although I understand the confusion in society now because of marketing because we see the words vegan on products that we buy in the store to eat. So one might think they're vegan if they're just eating vegan food. And so what the difference is is that I believe well it's like Donald Watson. Is it Donald Watson? I think it's Donald Watson. I mean, it's David is it David or Donald? I can't remember his first name, but I can't either. Okay. The vegan society. Was started, I think it was like roughly 1940s, and when they started it by Mr. Watson, since I can't give you his first name. It was it was defined wars to cause cause the least amount of harm to all beings, right? I mean, generally speaking, that's what it means. And so, if you are vegan, that means that you are consciously not trying to hurt anybody else, and that means human, animal. Insects, you know, sea animals, whatever whatever it is, we're not trying to hurt other beings, and that extends beyond what we put into our mouth. But it also reflects in the actions that we take, as far as what kind of what kind of things do we buy? Do we stop using leather? Do we stop using wool? Do we stop, you know, uh, consuming anything that that is aggressively hurting other beings? I mean. We all know that it's impossible to not cause harm to any being at all. Right. So, I mean, there are, I think Michelin now has Michelin has tires that don't have animal parts in it, but they're everywhere. They're in envelopes. They're just absolutely in everywhere in the walls. So, I think it's impossible to be completely harm free. But in any opportunity where we can make a conscious decision as to how we can interact as consumers and Well, obviously not hurting animals as well. That's what veganism means. So it's an ethical choice. One is a food choice. One is an ethical choice.
1: Beautiful. So let's talk about the big elephant in the room. And this is the name of your podcast. Yoga is Vegan. (laughs) Why do you think so many people who practice yoga, their yoga teachers are not vegan?
0: I think a lot of them just don't know. If I look at my first yoga teacher, first of all, let's look at just yoga as it exists. Well, today I want to say pandemic and pre-pandemic because yoga is kind of in a weird, everything's in a weird flux state now. But to most people and including myself, my first introduction to yoga, well, it was a a DVD, but, or it's a class. You're not going to hear about that in a class. So a lot of people get into yoga. It's. It's more, it is often more of a physical practice. It can also be a meditative practice, but it is more physical or meditative than it is like spiritual necessarily. And so there's a lot of teacher trainings out there. A lot of people make a lot of money doing teacher trainings. And the philosophy is to a certain degree open to interpretation. So, you may be a t- a yoga student just like I was who went to this amazing, you know studio and loved it. And I ended up going vegetarian my first day only because I had read an older book, the Autobiography of the Yogi. But prior to that, nobody had mentioned veganism has anything to do with yoga or diet. And in fact, in my training, when they talked about ahimsa, they understood ahimsa as to how you treat others and, the teachers in that program really only understood it from a human level and i think it's conditioning it's it's conditioning i don't think someone is is wrong for for not being vegan and practicing yoga but i do wonder if once you really dive into that philosophy and you start to be honest, right, Sattvic, tell the truth. If there isn't a little bit of being blind, if you're not at least understanding that the diet's off, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it just, yeah, I do. I, I, I understand. Mm-hmm. When I when I say yoga is vegan, it's it it's not like you better be vegan or you're terrible teacher and everything's awful. That's not it at all. It's like, what is the purest state of yoga, union? What is that? Well that's being united with all beings. That is love and compassion with all beings. And when you look at that ultimate philosophy, right? And you're in a line with ahimsa, Dharma Mitra says there is no yoga without ahimsa, right? Otherwise it becomes gymnastics or physical practices, which I love too. But when we're getting into a spiritual, honest practice, if, if you're not connecting to that highest source, or at least understanding it's part of it, then I think we're missing part of yoga. And so if vegan, to be vegan means to cause the least amount of harm to all beings, and yoga is a practice where we are united with all being beings, then yoga is vegan. Hmm.
1: That's beautiful. What kind of um, feedback have you had from others, positive and negative?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it it was actually great because I had an opportunity for a while. While this year, I was spending a lot of time in Clubhouse and I was lucky enough to have this Yoga is Vegan room. that was in time, this very popular uh, other group. And I had the opportunity to talk to so many people, especially people in India who look at this practice and will say, no, that's wrong or it's right or, you know, and debate it and talk about it. It's not really debating about it. It's like, let's just be open and let's discuss it because at the end of the day, I'm not shaming you for not doing something. So I got a little bit of pushback and a little bit of open arms from the community which I found was really interesting. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a project where I think vegans all of a sudden feel like they have their own like doula, sort of because, oh my gosh, other people get it because I was, you know, I felt like this odd vegan and this yoga community and everybody thought I was crazy. So there's community for that, which is really, really nice. There have been a lot of people who've come in and just listened to what i talk about what my guests talk about on the podcast and just went okay I'm, i've shifted my my diet to vegan now i get it so you know it's a little bit of everything i think if i came out as somebody who was condemning others for not aligning with what i'm saying is true i would get a lot more pushback but since i'm trying to to take it as an open space like i'm trying to look at yoga and veganism, and treat others like I treat my own children. Mm-hmm. yeah, it just—I I, haven't—I haven't really had that a lot of negative um, feedback because I think if I was making it about, you know, you have to eat this diet or you have to you have to be this way or you're bad, then then I would I would get that. But it's not really the point. I don't expect everybody on their journey to come all the way to that destination. But I think it would be really lovely if if teachers started looking in that direction, started shifting their own practice in that direction, started honoring when they're doing retreats if they're not already, or teacher trainings. Just get the meat out in these settings. Like, just leave it out.
1: Amen. So going back to the books you were talking about, because I'm sure some people might not have heard them. I'm not the books, the movies. And you said you, you need to see The Earthlings every once in a while. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is a almost unbearable movie. And I think it's really important to discuss why it is important to see that pain and suffering, because there's many people who are loving and kind and would never intentionally want to hurt animals. And they literally say, Oh, I, I love my steak, but I can't watch that because I love animals too much. It's like a very oxymoronic kind of idea. And I understand it. It's like, that's too painful to watch. I love animals. And yet you're eating them. And then the reason, you know, once we don't have to be convinced anymore. So, but I think it's important to talk about why it is crucial to revisit those that that suffering, even though we know we're not
0: going to contribute to it. Why is it that you revisit it? You know, because I harden really easily. Mm -hmm. I'm just, my, my upbringing allows me to block stuff out. And I feel like when I'm getting too comfortable as a vegan, but not, I don't know, not as empathetic as I should be, I need to sit down and go, right. This is why it gets, I we're all at the point in my family. We just don't. But having those moments where, where you read and you just go, okay, this is really, there's important work to be done right now. And it's easy to go about your day or get just into what you're doing. But if you can, you can take the time and like sit back and just watch it and go, okay, all right. It's important that i keep the voice up it's important that i talk it's important that i maybe just show others or invite somebody over and just offer offer a vegan meal or you know take someone to an animal sanctuary that's i think that's where so much magic happens as well but yeah it's it's kind of almost cracking open my heart that likes to solidify and armor itself i guess against that truth so i have to just sit with it
1: yeah i think the pain witnessing it becomes your purpose you know and it keeps you yeah it's just a reminder you know it's like we have to find this balance of being paralyzed by the grief and the pain that we feel at the kind of unimaginable number of animals that are suffering just even as we're talking we can't if we thought about it all the time it would it could really make us just inert but it is important at the same time to recognize there's still a lot of work to be done. There's lots of wonderful progress that has been made, but simultaneous to the progress, there's always a lot of pushback. We have gag rules that are in place. And for anybody that doesn't know, that's where you saw houses and factory farms are making it illegal to have any of the, what happens inside of them being documented. And you know, you wouldn't find that anywhere else, but when you know that there's pain and suffering, and that somebody's preventing you from bearing witness to it or just checking up on like limiting some of it, you know, that's an issue and that's um, being passed all all around the world. And that just means that it's hidden even more. And so again, it's like, we really just have to reveal the the ugliness so that we can all do, do more about it. So it is, I think, you know, to your point, like I've been vegan 20 and a half years now, it's like, oh, it, I always want to have that ping of pain. And I'm well. of course, it's nothing compared to what the animals endure. But it really keeps yeah the mission alive, which is, again, to alleviate suffering. And, and we want animals to live with respect and dignity and um, comfort in the way we want other humans to. Right.
0: I, I mean, two things I would just want to add, if I may.
1: Mm-hmm. One,
0: I am. I can be very sensitive. I'm a very sensitive person, but but I can also be very hardened. And so I know there. I've talked to and met a lot of people that aren't able to do that. They're just not able to watch it. They're vegan. It's it's traumatic. So I think for someone who's vegan and it traumatizes you, don't. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah, if you're already sold,
0: you don't. Yeah, So I agree. Yeah, but and I do want to say, like you know that the Gale eisnitz book slaughterhouse um, that's a great one like if you can't watch it read about it because it's it's really important and if and if you're listening and you think you can't watch that at all then understand that regardless of what kind of animal product you buy when you pay for that product you're saying it's okay i support it and it's just you know that, that you are connected to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the work you do now so that people can find out more about you and hear what you have to say because you obviously have such a gift at um, inviting people into this exchange to learn more and to connect to their heart and their values.
0: Sure, thank you. So yeah, it's it's a karma project, pretty much. And it's it separates into kind of two areas. One is I featured vegan yogis from around the world. And if you go to yogasvegan.com, the website, you'll see on um, just vegans from all over sharing their story, how they went vegan, why it connected to the practice of yoga, what how those two things became true. Because my story is separate from your story, and everyone else has a different way into it and different lineages of yoga as well. Right, so one type of yoga may attract to veganism for a different reason than another, and so that's part of the project is is just looking at the featured yogis and, and seeing where they are, and the other part is the podcast where we just t- talk about this with with others, you know, and we get into to depth about either. Not only their vegan story, but what they're, do, what they're doing now, and how they're, you know, how they're doing something fabulous in the vegan and yoga world. But that's that's where those two things lie, and yeah, it's just the general idea that if I can get enough people to keep sharing, then that becomes, you know, something for someone else to look at, so that they can find the inspiration. Somebody else's story is going to connect to another person, or you can use it. A lot of people find teachers that way. They go, oh, I'm kind of into it. You know, what kind of style of yoga are that What are the lineage? There are a few lineages that are, are more vegan forward than others and and just finding that perfect fit. But it's just all about kind of uniting yoga and veganism together and, and hoping we can blossom this into to a bigger force because there, there's so many vegans. I'm sorry, excuse me. There's so many yogis around the world so many people practicing yoga and if they can just start to add veganism into their their world then we can start having an even greater effect on climate change we can start making those shifts because there's so many that hopefully we can we can take a world that's so polarized and divided right now and just you know kind of heal it that's what we need
1: Hmm. Amen. I can't really top that. Well, thank you so much, Holly. So everybody check out Holly's work, Yoga is Vegan. You can find her podcast, which I've been on. And I just love talking to you. And I'm, I'm so grateful for what you're doing out there and how welcoming and inviting you are for everyone. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today.
0: No, absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I love what you do too. And yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you, Holly. And thank you all for listening. And as always, I'm pulling for you.